Hello and welcome to the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today, I'm joined by James Brook. Hi, James. Hi, Sam. How are we doing? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Uh, Raphael Jukovin. How are you doing, Raphael? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, all good with me. And Francesco Amesbury. All good with you, Francesco? Yeah, very good. Very, very happy to be here. Perfect. Okay, well, first things first, we're going to start right at the top of the league. And Inter have now opened up a nine-point gap this weekend. They beat Torino 2-1. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, James. What did you make of the game? I think not their best performance, but really ground it out, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, actually. Um, what did you make of the game as a whole? And did anyone sort of stand out for you? Um, well, I think the standout is just that Inter managed to grind it out again, really. I think they... Like you say, not at the best, um, but it's the old cliche. That's what champions do, isn't it? They, they get the job done against a Torino side who who are, despite the league position, they are pretty difficult to beat. So it might look an easy game on paper, um, but I think it's important that they keep that momentum going. Um, and I think it's, it's important just to keep on getting those victories and just to keep on increasing that gap putting the pressure on on Juve and Milan as well. Obviously, they played first or before the others this weekend. So it, it was just vitally important, I think, that they, they, they got over the line and got those three points. And just those two up front just keep coming up trumps for them. And I, I can't see them being stopped at all now. And I think they'll just go from strength to strength. I think those two are probably the best partnership in the league. Um and Lukaku in particular just looks irrepressible. So, yeah, uh, a big win for them. Um, and I think the main thing was just to get the three points in whatever way they can. Uh, and they did that. So, on, yeah. onwards. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting point you make about Torino not being easy to beat because although they are down there, I think that's a fair point that, you know, particularly in the early part of the season, they were losing to late goals. And, and this was quite similar with uh, obviously Lautaro scoring five minutes from the end. We saw Lukaku and Lautaro getting on the score sheet again, Raphael. Um, you know, normally when we're talking about teams nowadays, we go, oh, what a great front three they have. With Inter, obviously, it's different in that they have a front two. But do you think that possibly that front two is the best front two in Europe? Can you think of another one to challenge them right now? Probably not if you think of them as a, as a tandem. You know, a two-striker tandem, I think they are probably the best in, uh, in Europe. Even if, I think at the weekend, Lukaku did have a bit of an off game despite the fact that he did score. Um, he did score. I think sort of Martinez did sort of take take over the reins a bit in, in, in sort of how decisive he was. But, yeah, I think in terms of, both in terms of pure numbers, and, you know, their statistics, and in terms of just the general effect that they have on Inter's games, I think they are unmatched uh, across Europe. And I think it's ultimately the fact that they win the title is going to be a lot of it is going to be down to them and the effect that they have had this season and their sort of resurgence. Um, well, a couple of things I'd just like to add, Sam. Um, I think Inter's bench made a big difference this weekend. You know, um, Ericsson came on, he had a hand in the first goal. And uh, I think uh, that Sanchez made a big, big difference. He, he got a really nice assist for, uh, for Martinez's goal. 
and uh, it shows that they have depth as well. You know, um, I agree with with what the other guys have said that they didn't play particularly well this uh, this weekend, but they were able to win, and a lot of that was because of the players they could bring on from the bench. And the other thing I wanted to say for me, uh, Lautaro Martinez's goal, possibly the headed goal of the season so far in Serie A. I think it was a really, really nice uh, finish and very deliberate and very well executed. So yeah, kudos to him. I was just looking back on um, Ronaldo's career at at AC Milan. I did a piece for for Gentleman Ultra and he scored one very similar to that on his first start. It was a a real kind of, he almost curled the header into the back post. Um, It just reminded me of that one. It was, yeah, super header. He scores all kinds of goals, Lautaro, and I think that's, um, he's a supreme player, really. He's got everything that you want in a forward. He could be a little bit more clinical, but yeah, what a header, what a header. Yeah, he does tend to turn up in the big games, Lautaro, and the big moments. Obviously, we, you know, he scored, uh, I think he scored against Juve and against Milan uh, in, in 2021. So he really does seem to have stepped up in some pivotal moments for Inter. Um, and yeah, great point on the bench. I was a little bit surprised that, uh, you know, Conte went with Galliardini ahead of Ericsson. But, you know, it seemed to work in the end in terms of the impact off the bench. Um but I'm now going to move on to a side who may be our Inter's biggest challengers now, uh, and that's Juventus. Um, they're still third in the league, but they they did uh, get a win this weekend. But I want to start with the Champions League, of course, from last week. Um, they went out to Porto, a bit of a shock to some. If anyone's followed Juve in the Champions League the last quarter of a century, perhaps not so much of a shock. But uh, what did you make of the game, James? I mean, for a neutral, it was a fantastic game, wasn't it? Do, do you think they're a bit unlucky or do you think Porto thoroughly deserved to go through in the end? I think Porto thoroughly deserved to go through, actually, Sam. They were, to me, anyway, they never really looked like they, they weren't going to go through. I know there was that period after the red card and Juve kind of turned the screw a little bit, but I never really felt like they were under that much pressure and... They obviously with the, the, the goal of the free kick was kind of poor the way they conceded it, but it wasn't a surprise to me. I know when, when we spoke before about it, I said that I did have a feeling Porto might do a number on them. And I, I don't think that they they you know they could have done any any more. I think they really deserve to go through. I think it's difficult to put your finger on why Juve were or struggled as much as they did. Um, but no, I don't think they they can have too many complaints. To be honest, Juventus, I think they uh, they they created some opportunities, but in the end, Porto defended really well, and for me, thoroughly deserved to go through. To be fair, what I would possibly say the counterpoint is that you know if if certain chances had gone differently, then you know we'd be talking about Juventus win. They did have quite a few chances after the um, well when they were when they were drawing. I think. Chiesa especially had a chance, had a couple of chances for a hat trick, I think. Which, you know, if, if those had gone in, we'd be, we would be talking about a Juventus win. And, you know, on the one hand, obviously massive credit goes to Porto for the very, very solid performance. They took their chances. Pepe rolled back the years with a fantastic defensive performance. But, I mean, they didn't particularly offer much otherwise. And, you know, I think Juventus were always going to struggle against a team that was, you know, not not necessarily parking the bus, but not really not really coming out and opening up in terms of spaces. 
So I think I, I think it would be I think generally looking at what what's been said after the match, you know, all the sort of conclusions have been made about Juventus. I think it is you know extrapolating a bit to say that you know this is endemic of Juventus that this you know this is all um this is all down to their inability to perform in the Champions League and so on because I think they didn't play as badly as what's been what what's been said to be honest uh, obviously there obviously there was they were a bit stale in, uh, in in periods of the game, and I think a lot of players in the team probably should have shown up better, notably Ronaldo. But I I, I think yeah I, I think I wouldn't paint this as a complete failure for Juventus to be honest. Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> the the thing that was alarming for me is I thought Juve started the game really badly. Um, I thought Porto had a couple of really decent chances early on. I know they hit the woodwork early on. <clears throat> and I thought that sort of set the tone. I think a lot of people thought, you know, Juve finished the first leg strongly and it seemed that it was set up for them to come back. But it was eerily similar to what happened against Ajax and Leon in previous years where they let Leon sorry, they let Porto take the initiative early on. And although they then did go and have some great spells in the game later on in the second half when they were a man up and Chiesa seemed, Chiesa seemed inspired at times, um, overall, there are questions about whether they did enough to get through the time. Uh, Francesco, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Sam. The, the most disappointing thing for me is probably the start of the second leg because I think overall it feels like Juve slightly underestimated Porto over the over the two legs. And in the first leg, you can almost understand it a bit. You know, you're playing against a team you're not used to playing against. You can be a bit surprised. But in the second leg, to not be ready in that first, you know, 25 minutes, half an hour, when you're right, Porto had several chances and they took the lead, that for me is a, you know... It shouldn't have happened. They should have been ready. They should have been more focused than they were. And the other thing that is disappointing is the fact that Porto go down to 10 men and uh, I think it's the 63rd minute when Juve take the lead. So they go 2-1 up and then they have basically another hour to score another goal and they're not able to against 10 men of Porto. That is disappointing. I agree that with Rafael that they probably weren't as bad as, as people are saying and it's all kind of... Uh, perceived more acutely because we expect Juve to do better but it is disappointing you know the, the approach to both games especially the second one and those 60 minutes where you have a man more all you need to do is score a goal to get through and they're not able to do it Yes, certainly. Um, but then, of course, we move ahead to the weekend just gone and they got a comfortable victory over Cagliari, uh, 3-1, Ronaldo hat-trick. And we're now probably going to spend about the next five minutes talking about Ronaldo. Uh, so strap in. Um, he scored a hat-trick. Some very nice goals in there as well. But, you know, powerful header, which we've seen from him time and time again. Um, but he also you know, nearly decapitated the Cagliari goalkeeper. Um, so should he have been sent off, James? What did you make of his performance? And then after his third goal, he sort of signaled to the camera, you know, quieting down everyone and that he'd answered his critics. Has he answered his critics or did he let his moment pass in midweek? Well, I, I can't remember who the quote was from um, in midweek. Someone said that he, I think it was Chiellini, saying that he he, he only wants to play the Champions League. Um, 
but he, he didn't turn up at all. I think in terms of answering his critics, I don't think any, many people bat an eyelid if, if Ronaldo goes and scores a hat-trick away at Calgary. I think it's it's kind of bread and butter. No, it's, it's a collective shrug from everybody, despite how, how much he wants to play that up as, as you know, a, something incredible. Um, in terms of the red card, yes, definitely should have been a red card. Um, I would argue possibly Cranio was lucky to be on the pitch anyway. I think he, for the penalty, it could have possibly been a red card for him as well. Um, but no, it's it's just uh, it just got a bit boring, hasn't it, with Ronaldo this last kind of week or so? I think uh, Zidane's come out and, and said today that possibly um, they might be interested in taking him back at Real. And I think whatever way you look at it, uh, it, it okay, he's won two league titles, but he was there to win the Champions League. That is pretty much the sole reason that Juventus brought him uh, to Turin. So in, in that respect, it's been a catastrophic failure. Um, and in some respects, if he does go back to Real, he will with his tail kind of between his legs. I don't think his, his legacy has been enhanced. And, and with Ronaldo, I think that's much of what he really cares about. It's, he wants that how he will be remembered by the world of football. And um, I don't know what the other guys think, um, but I'm sick of Ronaldo <laughs> quite, quite plainly. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing the back of him, really. I mean, for me, the thing is, you know, there's a tendency for... Well, Ronaldo's a very polarising player, obviously, and there's a tendency for there to be... for everyone to have one opinion going one way or the other about him. I think, you know, you've got people... We've got, you've had people this week who've been saying he's finished and others who are saying, you know, it doesn't really matter because he is scoring a lot in the league and he is helping them sort of... Well, he's the top scorer, obviously. I think he's... 23 goals in 23 games now. Very impressive numbers, obviously. But obviously, as you were saying, that's not what he's, what he's there for. But, yeah, I think the thing the thing is, yeah, there is... I think there is potential. You can be ambivalent about Ronaldo. Ronaldo, the player, not the person. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a complicated one because I think... In some under in some respects, it has been a successful move for for Juventus. If you look at it commercially, if you look at it in terms of exposure worldwide, in terms of enhancing the brand, which is actually what one of probably one of the one of Agnelli's objectives as um, as the president of Juventus. You know that's that's a lot of what he, what he talks about, and especially when he talks about um, reforming the Champions League and all that. So. I think for I think Juventus wouldn't really have any regrets in terms of the uh, in terms of buying in terms of buying Ronaldo. It will, but it will just be down to his personal hubris and the fact that he hasn't won the he hasn't, he hasn't won the Champions League with them, which you know is it, it, obviously it will it will be looked at looked on as a failure. But yeah, I th I think I think when you you know. When he retires and you look back on his career, he'll he'll have he'll have two Serie A winners medals. He'll have a he'll he'll have a pretty decent scoring record at Juventus. It you know if if you step back a bit and you look at you look at his career as a whole, it, I don't think it will be I don't think it will be seen as that that much of a failure. Yeah, what what I would add is. Um... 
kind of in his defense, I'm not a huge fan of Ronaldo, but in his defense, I know we, we mentioned what he's done in the Champions League. This year, he hasn't had a great, or certainly the knockout phase against Porto, you know, he had two poor games. But if you look at the previous seasons, last season, he's the guy who scores the goals against Leon, which almost gets Juve through. The season before, he's the guy who scores the hat-trick against Atletico Madrid. And and really, it's the rest of the team who aren't showing up in those games when, when it comes to Juve being knocked out. He, he also scores against Ajax when they do get knocked out. So he, so he has performed in the Champions League for Juve, not so much this season, but in previous seasons, yes. Um but I do think that uh, he, w- when Ronaldo is in the team, I feel like he does affect other players in a negative way sometimes. For me, Dybala, for example, is a better player when Ronaldo's not around. I think possibly Kiesa and Kulusevski, who, who had really good games this weekend, but I think they could be better without him around. I think even Morata would be better without Ronaldo around. So I think there is, there is a theory that makes sense as uh, you know for getting rid of Ronaldo um but then you look at his goal scoring record and you think how can you how can you criticize this guy he's he scored so many goals so you know yeah no I, I just want to say that yeah I, th- I think I think it is true that he has he might have a, a negative impact on the players in terms of um in terms of being sort of the prima donna on the pitch but I think tactically wise, and sort of, you know, in terms of his footballing interactions with the players, I don't think I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he brings them down necessarily because you look at I mean you look at Morata for example, they he had a very good partnership with him at the start of the season. They were you know they were clicking together, just like they did back at back at Real Madrid or at the back end of last season with uh, with Dybala for example, they formed a pretty decent partnership and arguably one were the reason why they. Uh, why they won the league, so I, I would point. I, I would agree that he brings them down, but in a sort of in a more psychological, psychological way more than more than tactically, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the point is if you if you look at Juve and you say, okay, if it wasn't Ronaldo, would would you be having the same conversation? So if it was a sim, if it was a different player who was who was put in, like Raf says, he scored twenty three league goals. He's the top scorer in the league. If it wasn't Ronaldo, but it was somebody else, forget about the the name, forget about the uh, all the baggage that goes with it. Is if that's another player who's putting up that that kind of contribution. Are we having the same conversation? Obviously, it's a success. If it's any other player, it's a success. Um, with Ronaldo, people do look at it in a different way. Um, and I think that's the question that Agnelli and, and, and Perlo as well need to kind of um, need to answer. Is Can they move forward without Ronaldo? They do have a young kind of core to the team. Um, and I don't know whether Ronaldo's holding them back. All that you hear from those younger players is how, is, is how much that he helps them, how much that they uh, are inspired to play with him. So I think that they just need to to work out whether their future is to build on this core of young players that they have or whether it is just to keep going and keep trying to, to get that Champions League. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. Like I say, I'm uh, I'm happy for him to, to leave. I think I've had enough of him, of the Juve experiment and I'm, I'd like to see what Perlo can do with the younger squad and actually build a, a proper team. It feels like Ronaldo is shoehorned in occasionally. So uh, that's what they have to decide really amongst themselves. I don't know uh, if Francesco agrees. Well, I take I your point about it being, you, you would consider it a success. 
you know, all those goals, how can you not consider a success? But I think you have that has to be framed as well by, by how much they're paying him. You know, because I feel like that stops them from doing other things. It stops them from bringing in players in other areas where they might need players. And I think, uh, Raphael, so you say that um, he, he probably affects them more mentally than tactically. But I think tactically he does restrict things for Juve, maybe more for the managers. Like I think Sarri, for example, could never play the way he wanted to play because Ronaldo was in the team and he had to play Ronaldo. He could never do what he wanted to do because and Ronaldo wasn't wasn't going to do the things that Sarri needed him to do if he played him as a centre forward. And even now in this team, for me, Kiers and Kulusevski, they're ready to go. You want to put them in the best position possible because they're 20, they're 20 year olds, 22 year olds, and they're playing amazing and they're ready to be world class players, both of them. But neither of them can play in their proper position because really you want to play them up wide. They did a little bit this this weekend against Cagliari. But because you have to play two strikers, you have to play Ronaldo with someone else. You can't play that single striker and, and leave Kiers and Kulusevski with fewer you know, defensive uh, duties so they can just go and express themselves. It's difficult to do that with Ronaldo because Ronaldo doesn't want to do it. And, and it feels, you, and, you know, we don't know because we're not in those change rooms. We're not, we're not making those decisions. But it feels like managers have to do what he wants. Like the club has to be built around Ronaldo whilst he's there. Yeah, I think uh, what we saw last week in the Porto game perhaps was maybe, a, a, you know, an early sort of changing of the guard maybe with how important Chiesa was. That was a sort of Ronaldo-type performance. So maybe something like that could convince Juve that Chiesa is ready to take on a greater responsibility. I don't think Kulusevski has been used right all season, so it'll be interesting to see if he can come through next season. And of course, Dybala has been injured most of the season. So very intriguing times with Juve. I guess we'll have to see how the rest of the season pans out. Maybe that decision will be affected by whether they do go on to claw their way back into the title race. But I'm now going to move on to that third team who have been in the title race, perhaps not anymore. And that's Milan. Uh, they lost, of course, on Sunday night, 1-0 to Napoli. Um, James, for you, was this an accumulation of injuries and fatigue catching up with them after an excellent week against Hellas Verona? And I think they outplayed Manchester United for much of that game in midweek. Do you think everything just caught up with them? Yeah, definitely. And I don't think I don't think it's just kind of this week as well. I think it's an accumulation of they've been outperforming themselves really throughout the whole season. And I think it's just when the results start to slow down a bit, injuries start biting, uh, that mental fatigue can really start to creep in. And I was watching the game and I was just thinking um, about kind of the Milan squad and just looking at the players that were out there and players kind of like Castileo and um, and various other players who you just look at and you just think that they're, they're maybe not quite at the standard that Milan need players who have looked kind of fine up till uh, up till this point of the season. And you just start to look and think, look at the other teams around them, the kind of squads that they have, and they start to look like they're just a little bit short to me. Um, but they did look very tired, but they battled very hard. They they could have had a you know they could have got something still, and um, they had that penalty shout at the end, which which you know who knows these days it could have gone either way, and then we'd have been talking about a very you know hard fought point against a, a good Napoli team after the, on the back of a difficult game in Manchester. So very fine margins, I think, and but they did look tired, and I do worry that that mental fatigue of 
being at the top for so long, undefeated for so long, and then once that kind of comes crashing down, I, I, I do feel like other squads with the quality that they have might just start to um, put pressure on Milan. We might see them drop a few places quite quickly, really. But Napoli looked very good on the other side of that. I thought they were excellent. Um, they looked hungry, um, nice interplay, really nice football. Um, Ruiz, I thought, was excellent. Um, so they, they're looking good again on the other side of that. But a good game, enjoyable to watch. It was end-to-end and some better finishing from Liao and uh, it could have been a different story. Yeah, I think with, with Milan, we've been talking about this the last few weeks about are they still in the title race or is it more a fact of securing that top four spot which they've worked so hard for all season? Um, I'm going to come to you, uh, Francesco, because I know you've been quite... Uh, forthright in your opinions with this that you do think they're in a bit of trouble to still get that top four spot after this weekend are, are those concerns you know becoming even greater uh yeah they are i mean i was just going to say as well if you look at the two starting lineups from this weekend's match napoli and milan it's not surprising that that napoli won they've got a better team than milan on paper and I know Milan are missing a few players at the moment, but but this Napoli squad is really strong and that's starting 11. It's not a surprise that they've won. I think the surprise is how well Milan have done to this point because I feel like they've, they've been punching all season. And now they basically have a six-point lead over fifth place, which is not a lot. For me, I think Atalanta and Napoli are both going to get more points from now to the end of the season than Milan will. So it's just a question of whether that lead is enough. And... Yeah, I'm not sure that it is. I'm not sure that it is. I think I, I, I think it's going to be tricky for them to to stay in the top four. I think they've got a good chance, but uh, you know they have to pick up some results. Uh, I think that, that they're helped by the fact that Napoli have got some tough games coming up. We'll see how they come through that. But but if Napoli, uh, for me, Napoli have got a great side. They've got all these players back. They've got Mertens back. They've got Ossiemen back. You know they brought Ossiemen and Bakayoko off the bench this weekend. It shows the the depth that they have in that squad. And I think they are very capable of putting a run together. And if that happens, then I think Milan could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'm looking at that, you know, the next six games for Napoli. And I think they've got Roma, Juve, Inter and Lazio all in that all in that run. So in terms of Napoli, I think after those six games, I think we'll, uh, we'll be able to say more or less um, what, what they're doing. But I absolutely agree with Francesca. I think Milan, it's... It's all about managing those expectations. I think the trouble now is that having been top for so long and having been outperforming expectations for so long, to not get Champions League now would would be a, a body blow, basically, and it would feel ten times worse than it would had they just, you know, battled for fourth and come fifth at the end of the season. Which which is, let's be honest, more or less where they probably are in terms of the squad depth and and everything else. So. Yeah, it's it's going to feel horrible if Milan don't get top four now, and I, I do agree with Francesco. I think they're they're in a little bit of trouble now, but we'll see. We've seen them turn it around before. Yeah, I think they they've been battling for much of 2021. I think with so many injuries, and you know, I think that was their fifth defeat of 2021 in the league. So it it has been a real scrap them but uh, as, as you mentioned one side that did close the gap on them this weekend and are now back into the top four uh, and that's Atalanta um, they beat Spezia 3-1 on Friday night they really seem to be hitting their stride and Raphael you know we sort of just touched on this but I'm, I'm asking 
you here first. Um, they're now into fourth, but do you think they're the most vulnerable side in terms of dropping out that top four? Or do you think really they should be looking up the table and maybe thinking we can pick off Milan and even Juve in the coming weeks? I think they. it depends because, you know, obviously this is, this is the business end of the season and this is when they traditionally, or at least in the last few years, they've been performing best. So... I would, I would, I would probably bet on them to go on a on a good run. Whether that, whether that will sort of lead them into third or second is maybe not. I think, I think that might be a bit, a bit of a step too far, especially because I've, I don't know, I have a feeling that Napoli will will have a very strong end to the season as well. So, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how they manage with the, uh, you know, with, with their Champions League commitments as well. I think in general. Recovery time is going to be a massive factor in the, at the end of the season because I mean, we, we've seen it. With a, there, there was a bit of a controversy with the uh, with the uh, Juventus Napoli game that was being po- that just keeps getting postponed. Is it ever going to be um, played? <laughs> apparently, it's going to be played in April. But Let's see, I mean, yeah, because um, I think yeah, Roma put filed a complaint about about it being postponed because obviously they've got to play uh, they've got to play Napoli next week yeah and they've they they only have about three days to recover whereas napoli will have seven so that that i mean that will obviously put them at a massive massive disadvantage um and but uh, obviously yeah the reason juventus and napoli agreed to move it was because they was because of the fact that napoli would otherwise they would have had milan juventus and then roma all in the same week so it makes sense that rome would be sort of aggrieved um, but yeah, I, it's interesting because the sort of this whole topic of recovery time and lack of European football was being talked about with regards to Inter's title, you know, t- um, their title chances, which clearly has it has helped. But I feel like it'll also be a massive factor in terms of the uh, in terms of the top four race, and you know, who, whoever gets knocked out of Europe first, whoever, whoever, whoever will go further. Whoever will have all these, um, you know, all these games to catch up on because a lot of games have been postponed. You know, they are going to be bunched up towards the end of the season because of, you know, the fact that the Euros are going to happen. Will it, you know, it, it will. Will it have a big effect? I think on the top four race, it will. Yeah, I just wanted to say that for me, this this Atalanta side do not feel fragile at all. They it feels like they're they're always playing completely within their means. They they feel confident all the time. I I have complete faith that they're going to win all of the time and they're going to score goals all of the time. And I think what's been most impressive about them is how they've added depth to their squad this season. If you think that this weekend, you know, he uh, Gasperini rested Zapata and Pessina, who've been two key players for them, and Pasalic played instead and scored two goals. Moyon, Ilicic, Ilicic are the kind of the players who came in, you know, instead of Zapata, one of those guys, one of them got an assist, the other one scored. And and that's just, you know, some of the players that they have in that squad. There's other players who didn't play that, that have added so much, like Malinowski, for example. So they have depth. I feel like they are extremely confident. I, I can see, I, I think they're going to finish in the top four. I think they're going to be fine. Um but you know, it is it is a real race. I think Napoli, Milan, and, and Atalanta. I think for me, the two Roman clubs are out of it now. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I think uh, earlier this season, sort of October, November time, was about the only time, or, or one of only about two or three times maybe in the last five years, where I had some concerns for Atalanta. They were playing really quite poorly at that point, but they really seem to have hit form at the moment. As you said, the strength and depth of the squad is excellent, and, and they're flying. Um, on the other hand, of course, James, uh, Spezia... Another defeat for them. You know, last, I think it was last month, they beat Milan 2-0. Everyone was singing their praises. They were outstanding in that game. Since then, they've really struggled for points. I think they're about half a dozen points above relegation at the moment. Are you a bit worried for them that they could still get dragged right back into this? Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely could. Uh, I don't know whether worried's the right word. I think I think where Spezia are now is... It's credit to to uh, Italiano and it's credit to the squad because I don't think anybody really gave them a hope at the start of the season. So I, I don't think I think they'll have no fear about where they are. I think they'll have no fear about losing games, um, and I do think they've still got quality that they can pick up results. Um, I think there's what five teams below them. I think there's enough probably below them to. For them to be okay, I do think they will be okay. Actually, I think they've just—I think they've got a capability to pull a result out of the bag that I don't think um, Torino certainly I don't think do. So uh, I, I actually think they'll be okay. But worried that they'll go down. I don't think worried's the word, but they could still definitely go down, of course. But I think they've got just enough to of, of magic to to pull something out of the bag. Yeah, and I hope they do because uh, they've been great at times this season. So. I really do hope that they do stay up, but who knows? <laughs> and of course, one of the reasons that Spezia might be, you know, dragged back into it is because some sides a bit lower down are starting to pick up a bit of form. And we saw that on Sunday with Palmer getting a slightly surprising 2-0 victory over Roma. Um, from a Roma point of view, they've done really well in these games this season, Raphael. Um but are you starting to see signs in the last maybe few weeks that they're starting to fall away and maybe they're not going to be able to maintain a fight for the top four for the rest of the season? Or, or do you think they will still be there or thereabouts right through to the end? It does seem as if their performances against these sort of, you know, teams from the bottom of the table have, you know, gotten worse over the past few months. You know, we, we were saying that we were saying that this, that was... You know, that was their strength, the fact that they were consistently beating these teams. It was more or less outweighing the fact that they have been awful against the top sides. But yeah, I mean, if if it doesn't look like they're... It doesn't look like with, with their Europa League commitments on the side, it doesn't look like they can balance it. And it doesn't look like they can, you know, put in these good performances uh, that, they, that they were putting in. But also, on the flip side, I think Palmer... You know, I think a result like this was always coming for Palmer. You know, they they were they'd put in. I think they've had three three two all draws uh, in a row, and you know they were generally playing a lot better. And you know we saw the weekend, Pele put in a fantastic performance, much better than what Cornelius had been had been giving for throughout the season. Dennis Dennis Mann as well, and I think it's generally symptomatic of the fact that. They have been used actually integrating their um, their new signings into the team, and you know Diverza hasn't just been relying on the same players that they, that really have you know let them down all season. You know he is trying something new. He is mix. He's mixing it up. 
and clearly you know clearly it's 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 worked out for them and i i've yeah i i think i think they have a pretty good chance of uh, of staying up actually because looking at their you know looking at their fixtures for for the rest of the season they've got they've got benevento next to benevento clearly on in very good form right now uh, they're going to have Genoa, they're going to have Crotone, you know, they're going to be relegation six pointers and they're, out of all the relegated relegation sides, or the ones that are fighting against it right now, they're the ones in the best form right now. So, you know, I, I'd say I'd say they have a pretty decent chance of staying up. Yeah, I think um, that's why I said it was only sort of slightly surprising because we have seen Palmer improving over the last sort of month or so. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, Francesco, I'll come on to you for this. Um, Palmer do have quite a kind fixture list uh, on paper over the next few weeks. Do you think if they are going to get out of out of relegation zone they need to really make the most of this period right now and you know get out of the bottom three in the next couple of weeks and then sort of hang on in the final part of the season uh yeah i think they probably need results certainly against teams like benevento uh crotone torino cagliari they're all coming up in the next few games and and they need some points from those games because they've probably got a tougher running um but uh, I agree with Raphael that they have given themselves a chance of staying up now. And I didn't think, you know, kind of a month ago, I didn't think that was possible. They seemed a long way back and they weren't picking up any points. I think Davares has done a really good job since he's he's come in. Uh, they've been a bit unlucky in a few games not to not to pick up more points. So, yeah, it was a really good win for Parma. And, um, yeah, they're back with a fighting chance of staying up, I'd say. I think the difference is that they've just started scoring. I think that of the last five games, the only one that they hadn't scored at least two um, was the Inter game where they lost 2-1. So in the others, they've scored at least two. I know there was a 3-3 draw with Fiorentina as well, wasn't there? So they just seem to have started scoring from, from somewhere. And um, like you say, integrating the new signings was really important. And it might just come, for me, it might just come slightly too late. I know they've got a slightly favourable run, but... You know, anything can happen at this point of the season and there's no easy game. So I think um, it might just come slightly too late for them, but it's, it's definitely encouraging. I just wanted to say one more thing about Roma as well. Next week they've got Napoli. I think that is a huge game for them. I think if Napoli beat Roma, then they can kiss goodbye to the Champions League for another season. I think that'll unless be they it win for them. Europa. Yeah, unless they win the Europa, which, uh, you know, if they play like it against Shakhtar in the, first, uh, in the first leg, then I think they've got a chance. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly come on to that later. But uh, another game that we had sort of a similar situations, I suppose. We had Lazio, you know, pushing for that top four and Crotone, um, you know, at the bottom of the league. We had that on Friday afternoon, a bit bizarrely. Uh, but, you know, I don't make the fixture list. Um, that finished 3-2 to Lazio. Late winner from Felipe Caicedo. Um, with regards to Lazio, They've looked, you know, shattered to me in recent weeks. We've talked about how thin their squad is, James. But do you think that um, maybe Inzaghi should trust his squad a little more, the likes of Caicedo, who have shown that they can do a decent job at times? Maybe. I think you've maybe answered your own question there, though, and the, the squad is quite thin. I don't really see what his options are. Um, 
I, I don't think the, the players on the bench or the rest of the squad quite have the quality to be a team who are going for the Champions League. So beyond the first 11 um, or beyond even maybe six or seven of the first 11, I don't see the quality there. So I don't think he has too many options. I think I say those interesting. Um, obviously, he, he's got another late winner. That's what he does. I think in terms of if he deserves more minutes... Immobile has not been scoring recently, um, so why not throw him in and give him a chance? But I think his his role is very much defined in that he he comes on if they need a goal and he, he runs the channels and um, it, it's, it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy at this point that okay Casado's on he's going to uh, he's going to bail us out and, and that's what he does. So he seems happy with that. He seems happy enough. But his his goals per game ratio is is really quite impressive. Um, but whether that translates to a you know a if he if he starts scoring when he when he plays more minutes, it's it, we see it all the time, don't we? The players can't quite translate that when they're starting to when they're coming off the bench. And I know he has played earlier on in the season. He's put he started games and he scored goals though. So um, yeah, well why not? Like I say, Immobile just looks tired. Um, it's not quite happening for him. He, he'll still score goals. I think he just possibly needs a period of rest. But whether they can afford to let him do that. Um, you know, it's 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 business end of the season, isn't it? You you can't afford to let your top scorer have uh, have a big rest. So, I think his his hands are tied behind his back a little bit in Zaghi, and he's just waiting for that summer transfer window. Maybe get a few more bodies through the door. Um, if they're not relegated, that is, if <laughs> if they don't, uh, you know, the the misdemeanors don't come back and bite them, which they could do. Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're talking about there. Uh, one good piece of news I would say for Immobile, I think in the last week he finally received his uh, gold, you know, European golden boot, uh, which he's only been waiting about nine months for. So uh, congratulations to him on that. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to the rest of the game. So we had some really interesting games down the bottom of the table. First place to start uh, is Fiorentina dispatching Benevento 4-1. Uh, this really was the Duzan Vlahovic show, Raphael. Um, although Fiorentina have been pretty poor for most of the season, he's been a shining light for them. How good do you think he is? And, and do you think Fiorentina can keep hold of him? Or do you think some big clubs will come in for him this summer? Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before he leaves. But, you know, it, is, it has been a very impressive um, sort of trajectory for him. And I think that's sort of this, the hat trick is sort of the culmination of what we've been seeing all season. You know, he's, he's not always he's not always been clinical enough to you know to to convert his chances. He's not always been as involved in games as um, you know as as the hype would uh, would would have you think. But he is undeniably Fiorentina's best player this season, and you know, his twelve goals. You know, they say it doesn't tell. Maybe it doesn't tell the whole story, but he's 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 definitely he has the potential to be a world class player. And you know, I think part of you know part of the his great performance of the weekend is that Benevento are clearly in a pretty bad spell of form right now. But yeah, undeniably, you know, Fiorentina will have a tough time holding on to him, especially if. You know, over the next few years, they don't really progress and they just keep trudging along in these sort of lower mid-table positions. You know, he's, he's clearly, you know, he's regardless of maybe sort of inconsistent performances, he is clearly destined to be a world-class player. And I think 
he's not really you know he's I mean on the one on the one hand it would be nice if he if he did stay a Fiorentina just you know and sort of fired them to a you know to bigger heights it would be great to see Fiorentina back uh, back near the top but uh, yeah obviously for his sake it would be it would be you know more befitting of his talent in a way for him to move on afterwards but you know Fiorentina the best they can do is get a, get a decent fee out of him yeah i think with with that result i think most of us would agree that Fiorentina are probably safe now um but Benevento, on the other hand, I don't think are at all. Um, and Francesco, they can't buy a result at the moment. We've seen Cagliari improving recently. We've seen Palmer improving. How worried are you for them that they could go back down again? Having been mid-table in the first part of the season, they've slowly been creeping down. Do you expect them to go even further down? Yeah, I I mean, they had a great start to the season. I, I think I remember when we did our kind of Christmas review of what happened so far in Serie A, I was saying that Inzaghi had been the most impressive manager so far because the kind of football they were playing and the results they were getting. But they haven't won now in 10 matches. Um, they've had a really bad 2021. And I think there is a real danger of them getting sucked back in to the relegation zone, which I didn't think was possible at Christmas time. Um like uh, the other guys have been saying tonight, the other teams down there have started to pick up points. They've started to look alive. And um, with Benevento, that just that just is the opposite. They, they've, there's been infighting. This is the most stressed I've seen in Zaghi for a long time. And uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for them. I think this weekend, you know, the, the, the result actually flatters Fiorentina a bit. I think it was a more even game than a 4-1. But having said that, you know, it's 10 games without a win and... Yeah, they definitely need to be careful. They've got some big games coming up against relegation rivals, so we'll see how they go. But um, it's not looking that great for for Benevento, and I think there is a chance that they go down now. Um, I think they'll probably be okay, but, um, you know, we just spoke about Spezia. I'd say right now Spezia are playing a lot better than Benevento, and out of the two, they're the ones more likely to get dragged in and maybe... You know, the chances of Torino and Cagliari catching one of those two sides up, I think Benevento are the team they might catch. Yeah, certainly seems that way right now. Um, and then the final three games of the weekend was, were all sort of mid-table clashes. Um, I think the best of the lot was probably Sassuolo against Hellas Verona. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were interested to see how this one would go. Both sides have been in patchy form recently. In the end, Sassuolo came out on top 3-2. A couple of really nice goals in this game. From a Sassuolo perspective, James, uh, they started the season excellently. I think a lot of people were thinking, can they get top four or at least Europa League? It, it's fizzled out. At the moment, they're eighth. You know, what can they do for the rest of the season? Can, can they kick back on and maybe have a strong finish, which will lead into you know, possibly pushing on for Europa League next season? I think that's the best that they can do. I think the gap's slightly too big now between 8th to 7th. Um, and we, we see that kind of mini league. I think at the moment, those top seven, similar to the Premier League where you talk about a big six, I think those seven are, are easily the best, or comfortably the best teams in the league. And I think the challenge for Sassuolo and probably for Elas as well, which is uh, credit to Juric and what he's done. But I think that the Sassuolo are probably leading that pack. Um, and you're, like, you're absolutely right. The challenge for them is how do they get into the um, top seven and how do they kind of consistently 
become a part of that and uh, either make it a top eight or just try and uh, lift themselves into that. I don't. It's not easy. Uh, all those teams have much more finance, financial muscle, um, much more experience of, of kind of uh, European places and things like that. But I do think they have the quality. There. Obviously, Deserby, we know how good he is. So um, I think they've, they've got... I thought that they would do better, slightly better than they have done. But having said that, I think eighth is more or less uh, where they should be. Um, but they don't want to be treading water for too long. They just need to try and keep hold of the, you know, Locatelli and, um, and Bulger on the players that, that are making them tick, really. Just try and keep hold of them. Add one or two shrewd signings and go again next season. Uh, but they can't keep doing this for too long. You know, they always, you always think they're going to push through and they never quite do. So the challenge is just to haul themselves however they can up into that top top seven, really. Yeah, but, but at least uh, this weekend was a step forward after what's been, uh, you know, quite a stuttery last sort of three or four months for them, to be honest. Um, and then moving on to the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday, I believe it was, uh, Bologna-Sampdoria. Bologna came out with a 3-1 win. Uh, these two sides, both safe, both in mid-table. Raphael, I know you obviously have a, have a bit of a fondness for Bologna. Um, in terms of the two sides, are they about where you, you'd expect them to be or have either slightly... Uh, exceeded your expectations or disappointed you a little? How, how do you assess their seasons? I think with Sampdoria, they're pretty much where I would expect them to be. You know, they're not, maybe not as maybe not as um, full of talent as some other sides are, but with the manager like Ranieri at the helm, you're always gonna you can always expect a decent finish. And I think he's done very well with that squad. You know, and they they have got some. Pretty some pretty good players with lot lots of experience, obviously of Qualiarella and um, and Candreva. So you know, I they're Sampdoria pretty much where I would expect them to be. With Bologna, you know, I think that I'm I'm they're about where I expect them to be with this kind of manager. Um, I'm not I'm not saying they should sack Mihailovic or anything, but I don't think he's the right sort of manager to fully exploit the sort of the attacking talent that he has at his disposal. I think a manager like um like Italiano, for example, would have a field date with this squad. You know, the the players like um like Orsolini, like like Barrow, especially Barrow has, you know, he has the potential to be one of the best forwards in Serie A. And you know, and yeah, for for all for all their for all their sort of you know attacking talent they haven't they've been quite inconsistent in that department this season and i think there is potential for bologna to kick on maybe with a few one or two one or two signings over the summer to sort of add to that sort of you know arsenal in in attack for them to yeah for them to kick on and maybe maybe turn into another sassuolo and maybe challenge for a europa league place um, this um, that might be asking a lot of them but I don't think it's completely out the uh, out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I always find Bologna a fascinating side to watch. Of course, they went on that streak of about forty-seven games or something where they didn't keep a clean sheet. So there's always goals in their games, which is great for the neutral. Um, and then, of course, the final game of the weekend: Genoa Udinese, one all. 
I think both of these sides are safe. If one of them is going to get dragged back into it, it will be Genoa, Francesco. But are you in agreement that they're going to be fine? And, and uh, you know, what, what do you see for these sides for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think uh, I think they're both going to be fine now. I think Balladini's done a great job since he's come back in. He's dragged them right out of the trouble they were in at Christmas. Um, I actually think Udinese are probably, well, arguably the, the most underrated side in Serie A. I think they, uh, Gotti's done a really good job with them. They're really solid defensively. They've got some interesting players. You know, uh, I love Rodrigo de Paul. Pereira's come in and he's had an impact. And um, they're a really solid team. Uh, they're the last team to get any points off Inter. You know, recently they uh, they should have beaten Milan. And they've uh, they've been on a really good run since Christmas. And they're catching, um, they're actually catching Veron and Sassuolo in kind of that mid-table battle. Uh, I think what, uh, what I'd just like to come back to what Raphael said, I think is a really interesting point about uh, getting the right sort of manager in for these teams. And I think that is essentially what Sassuolo have done. So you, because, because um, as well, what James was saying about the gap between the big sides in Serie A really being obvious this season, all of those sides have got their act together, uh, you know, to a point. And that means that there's not as much opportunity for the, the, for the likes of Sassuolo, Verona, Udinese to break through and get into the Europa League. And so what do you do? And I think the aim has to be to kind of emulate what, that, what Atalanta have done because they've become a legitimately a big side in Serie A. And they've done that by getting in an interesting manager who's got some good ideas and giving him time as well to go and express himself They've done a good job of keeping hold of their players. That's that's what's going to be difficult for the likes of Sassuolo. Sassuolo have got a real good group of young, interesting players that are bound to be, you know, on the lists of bigger clubs. And I'd include the manager, you know, like James said, that Zerbi so highly rated in Italy. The chances are big clubs are going to want to get him. But for them, the only way that they can kind of cover that gap and get up to those bigger sides is to insist with these kinds of imaginative, interesting managers that give time to these younger players. And uh, I suppose it's a riskier, it's a riskier than, than employing someone like, uh, like Ranieri at Sandaria, who's going to keep you safe, but it's going to give you a possibility of maybe doing something else and ending up in a, in a kind of Atalanta situation. That's got to be the aim. So I think Rafael is 100% right that these clubs should be going for more imaginative, creative, exciting managers. There's so much potential at a club like Bologna as well, just in terms of kind of the city and and how it, you know how important the kind of the growth. It's such a, a hub for Italy and the economic growth there, and it's a wealthy city and it should the team should be better than they are basically. So there's such potential there if they can get the management, they can get the right appointment. They do have a nice good young squad there. So yeah, it, it'd be great if if. Atalanta's the absolute model, isn't it? But it's to do what they've done is going to be difficult. But somewhere like Bologna, so much potential um, as a city to to become a, a real footballing city. But um, it's difficult, isn't it? With the top seven there, who goes out? Who do you displace from that? Yeah, we'll, we'll be very interested to see if, if any sides do make appointments in the summer because of course we do have managers around like you know where's Mauricio Sarri going to go next you know could he take over perhaps a mid-table side would he be willing to drop down that far who knows um, but that concludes the weekend roundup and now we're on to the good stuff here um, Champions League on Tuesday Atalanta against Real Madrid of course, Real Madrid won the first leg 1-0. Atalanta down to 10 men for much of the game. 
I don't know about you guys, but I actually still give Antalanta a really good chance of turning this around. Um, I'll come to you first, James. How do you see this? Do you think Atalanta have a decent chance? Yeah, definitely. I do, yeah. Um, it was it was such a shame the first leg that, that red card really killed it, didn't it? it? As a contest, or not as a contest, but you want to see, when you tune in to watch Atalanta, you know, you sit back and, and just we watch them, basically. You want to see them flying and, and scoring, and it did just feel like clipping, you know, clipping the wings a little bit with that. But, yeah, they, they'll definitely give it a good go. And Madrid are a side at the moment who who seem to just hang on in hang on in games and then just find a way. Benzema scores at the end. That's the way it seems to go every game now. So I think it's going to be difficult. Madrid are obviously a huge European experience and um, they know how to hang in, to, hang in games. But Atlanta have always got a chance. So I... For me, I still see them losing, actually. I think it'll be a 2-2 draw. I think there'll be goals. Um, but I think Madrid will just about do enough to see them off. But I'd love to see them go and, and beat them, absolutely. It's interesting that you're predicting a 2 all draw. I was going to get predictions from everyone, so you've gone early there. But... <laughs> um, I, I thought the first leg, even with 11 men, Atalanta were a little bit cautious in that first 20 minutes. I don't know if you guys agree, but Raphael, going into this second leg where they're the clear underdogs because they're behind, because they're away, do you think perhaps the shackles will be off a little bit more and they'll really, you know, try to up the intensity and go after Real Madrid from the off? I think they'll definitely have to be, you know, more gung-ho. I think... One massive factor is going to be the fact that Casemiro is is out. He's clearly he's been a massive part of Real Madrid's success over the last few years, even if he has sort of gone under the radar in some in some respects. Um, you know, the fact that he's going to be missing in the midfield is probably something that Atalanta are going to exploit. Um, you know, if my my prediction would be Atalanta winning by a goal, but you know, Bubba still going through something like two one or three two. I think, I think, I think they've got it in them to, you know, to pull off an upset. I, I, it wouldn't necessarily be an upset either because Real Madrid have lost at home in the Champions League this season. They have been, they have been erratic form this season. It's not. I, I, I mean, obviously they're not the favourites, but I can, I can definitely see it happening. Yeah, I think we. Um... Obviously, both sides are missing a midfielder because Remo Freuler got sent off in the first leg. I think it'll be interesting to see with uh, with Atalanta, does Pessina drop deeper or will he stay up more and Pasalic comes into that central midfield? Um, but Francesco, what, what about you? Do you, you know, you said in Serie A, you expect Atalanta to win all the time. Is that going to be the same in Europe uh, this week? Well, th the, the thing about them is uh, I was listening to Gasparini talk about this much earlier and he he seems as confident as ever. He seems as relaxed as ever. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to them. And I hope we just see the real Atalanta show up and play. And I think they've got a real chance and it would be so good if they turned Madrid over. It would be so, so good if they went and did it. You know, I could see... I feel like Rafael's absolutely right. Casemiro's a big miss. And for me, this is the most fragile Real Madrid I can remember. You know, playing Real Madrid at this stage of the Champions League is, is probably the best time ever to play them. Having said that, they are still a team with world-class players and, you know, they can turn it on and and uh, they're dangerous. But if Atalanta score one of the first two goals, 
you know, thinking they're probably going to be goals. If they score one of the first two goals, then it's going to be really interesting. And I think they've got a real chance. And uh, yeah, why not? I'm going to go for an Atalanta, Atalanta to get through. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think if they do get a goal and cancel out that away goal, it starts getting really nervy for Madrid. Um, and I give Atalanta a decent chance as long as they don't go down to 10 men. But even if they do, they're still a side that believes. So who knows? They might still have a chance. Um, then on to Thursday night, we have a couple of uh, Europa League games. Uh, of course, we're going to start with Milan hosting United in the second leg. First leg was 1-0. Last-minute equaliser for Milan, even though I think they were probably the better team overall. And Kessier, perhaps a little unlucky to see his goal disallowed. Um, but James, do you think they can produce a big performance again with so many players out? Or do you think United will show up a bit better and, and get the result this time? How do you see it playing out? I'm not sure, actually. I really don't know what to expect from this. I thought, yeah, Milan were definitely the better side um, at Old Trafford, um, as a lot of teams go into Old Trafford are these days. But again, United do have a habit of um, of just doing enough. Um, so I don't know. It really depends on the mentality of Milan, whether they whether they decided now what the priority is. Is it to just buckle down and make sure they get top four or do they how badly do they want to win this Europa League um, I think it boils down to that a little bit I think it does for both sides to be honest I know we're, we're focusing on Serie A but I think United it depends how badly they want want to to win the Europa League rather than just qualify through through the league because that's what it's all about essentially if, we, if we're not you know honest with ourselves if we're honest with ourselves it's all about Champions League qualification um, and it is a backdoor route to do it for Milan. So I think it depends on the mentality because they do need to lift themselves again. Uh, the injuries are still there. Um, so it just depends how how badly they've been hurt from that loss last night. Um, and the, the, I think the late equaliser gave them a lot of hope. Um, but I think it just depends on mentality. Interesting what Francesco says when you watch Atlanta. You do. You, you, you really look at them and you think, how have you become like such a dependable team so quickly. You, they don't look like losing. I think Milan, it's a little bit the opposite way. They've gone from being such a juggernaut to some a team that you now watch and it's just a ghost of, uh, of Milan's past, basically. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I can't really call this one. I think it depends on on the, the mentality inside that Milan team and whether they really, how badly they want to, to win a, a European trophy. I know that doesn't really answer the question, but <laughs> I can't I can't call it really. Yeah, I know earlier, Raphael, you touched on um, how these European fixtures could have a big bearing on who finishes in the top four. But on the flip side of that, if Milan go out this week, they've had a really rough week and it sort of killed any momentum they've had throughout this season. So do you see this actually as a really important game that they win, even though it may cause sort of fatigue down the line, just to, you know, give them a bit of a lift and create some momentum once again for them? Yeah, I think Pioli is going to have to find the balance, really, because they've been very hard hit by injuries. Um, you know, clearly that's been a that's been a massive factor of the, the fact that they have, you know, been a bit... Been, yeah, in, in just average form. Even if I, th I do think that Pioli made a bit of a tentative comparison after the uh, after the Napoli game when he said that 
losing out on Mandzukic and Ibrahimovic is like Inter losing out on Lukaku and Lautaro. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I doubt they'll go all in because I feel I think that they Pioli is going to be level-headed about it and you know think that they're likelier to get into the top four than they are to win the to win the Europa League. And you know, with their injuries, with the fatigue that they've got, it's really not going to be. It's really not going to be easy. I think Manchester United are going to play a lot better than than they would than they did last week. Um, it's going to be. I mean, it's it's yeah. That's that's the thing, really. That they're not they they are they are struggling in terms of fitness. Um, you know, with with all these players missing, and I think that. They are going to have to. They are going to have to come to terms of the fact that the, they can only really focus on one competition now. Yeah, I, I think um, personally, I, I feel that United might get the job done just because of having more players on board, and I think they will play better than the first leg. How, how about you, Francesco? Can Milan pick themselves up, or do you think United will get the job done, given that they seem to be playing better away from home right now as well? Yeah, I disagree slightly with the other guys in terms of team selection, in terms of Milan going for it. I think um, that purely rested Kier this weekend or, or didn't risk Kier this weekend with the intention of playing him against United on Thursday, which is a pretty big call. Um, and they are going to have, you know, like uh, they, were, they were missing Terra Hernandez in the, in the first game. He's going to be back. So in theory, um, they should have a better team on Thursday than they did in the first leg. They were really impressive in that first leg I think they were they were really unlucky not to come away with a win I think um, you know you said that Kessie was a bit unlucky I think he was robbed I think it was the worst of our decision this season I don't know why the, why the VAR got involved uh, it was a great goal and there seemed to be no evidence they touched the ball with his arm but um, I also think that United were surprised by how good Milan were in, this, in a similar way to how, you, how Juventus was surprised by Porto. And I imagine that they won't, you know, they know now what they're up against, that Milan are, are a solid side. They're a good side. They've got some really good players. So like Rafael said, I expect United to be better in this game. But, uh, but you know, I think Milan are going are gonna to take it seriously and I think they have a chance. Um, paradoxically, I, I think I'm probably uh, feeling more confident about Atalanta than, than, than Milan, but, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think in terms of you saying United underestimated how good Milan were, I think that was certainly evident from the pundits on that game. Yeah. Paul Stoll <laughs> seemed to think United were going to absolutely smash Milan. Um, he clearly never watched Milan play this season, so there we go. Um, the other Europa League game, I'm going to touch on this quite briefly, actually, is Roma. They won 3-0 in the first league against Shakhtar. Really strong position. Any chance of a hiccup for them, James, or do you see them seeing it out pretty comfortably? I think they'll. I think they'll see it out pretty comfortably. Yeah, I don't think Shakhtar of this season are a Shakhtar that we've seen of years gone by. I think they'll. I think they will. They might lose the game on the night. Um, you can lose at Shakhtar or in, in Kiev or whatever it is at the moment. Um, you can you can lose there, uh, but I, I don't. I don't see them um, not going through. And I, I find that I think they'll be. Outside, uh, or maybe dark horses for the whole competition, Roman. Actually, I know Francesco's given <laughs> given them no hope of getting into the top four in the league, and he, he might well be right. So I think if they put all their eggs in that basket, I think they could be dark horses for it. 
yeah, they seem to have breezed through the competition so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Fonseca maybe rests a couple of players for that game, knowing that they have Napoli on the weekend. And, and that's the final segment of the show. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend, Raphael, we've talked about how it's Roma v Napoli. What are your thoughts on that game and also any other games that particularly stand out to you? Yeah, I think Roma Napoli will be interesting in the sense that Napoli will be favourites because of this, and, you know, the fact that they have got a, a far longer rest break than um, than Roma, and the fact that it is a massive, massive game for the top four. I would say I would say Napoli will come out on top. And in terms of um, in terms of the other games, I think it'd be worth keeping an eye on um, on Fiorentina Milan because you know Milan are in a bit of a rut right now and. It, it might be an opportunity for Fiorentina to kick on from uh, from that good result against Benevento. I think if they can if they can get if they can get a result against Milan, they'll I mean they'll they'll, they'll like, they're all likely safe already. But if they can get a result against Milan, it will show that there has been some some sort of progress over the last few weeks, especially in comparison to what what you were seeing in the first sort of two thirds of the season. So it'll be an interesting game as well, both on Sunday. Yeah, historically, Milan Fiorentina has been quite a great fixture. I think there was a was it seven three in the nineties. I think there was. That's quite a sort of classic one from when Milan were great and Fiorentina were a hell of a lot better than they are now. Um, what about you, Francesco? Any other little games? You know, I think there's a couple down the bottom that could be worth keeping. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say Spezia Cagliari is this weekend. Or is it the other way around? Cagliari Spezia, but that's that's a big, big game. Um, you know, Cagliari could really drag themselves right back up and, and put Spezia and Benevento in a lot of trouble. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's one to definitely keep an eye on. Great stuff. Okay, well that concludes the episode. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys, and thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you all again soon. All right, bye bye.